0: So it is. Stagflation is when your your interest rates and your, your cost of living and all that is going up, as you normally would think of inflation that go up. But the value of things is decreasing at the same time. Like.
1: All right, what's up, everybody? This is Generation <laughs> Age. So today we have Andrew joining us as a host. We got me, Dylan, and we got Carlos, and then we got the greatest, Rich Lennon. (laughs) So Rich Lennon, (laughs) if you don't know who Rich Lennon is, he moved from Northern Virginia to Richmond about 10 years ago. Yep. Um, Yep. To buy more property. I don't know how true this is, but to the legend, oh, <laughs> we'll clear it up here today. Right? <laughs> uh, retiring from a six figure business as an engineer, or not business, six figure job as an engineer. I don't know if he's like, I mean, also, <laughs> I'm hard, I'm I can to tell you that about something. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: is the president of
1: Richmond Ring. That's true. Founder of, Rich, of uh, Ring Elite, which is. Uh, Basically, a mastermind that you yeah. do. Right? Yeah, we, we yeah. I guess the best way. That. Yeah, that's yeah. The best way to describe um, Owner of multiple rental properties, and now he's started to get into lending um, with his new website, lendingtoRVA.com. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, first off, we wanted to, you know, that, on top of that introduction, <laughs> but, uh, what, else, what else do <laughs> the that viewers need to know? was true. It was true.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, think, I think you hit it. I do have an engineering degree, but I was, uh, you know, I was. Was literally in a nuclear reactor and the true story and it was a, a non-active one obviously but I was in there I was doing training for GE and I was gonna kind of get and then I just was like in that nuclear reactor when and I just remember going like God, I'm not sure this is thing, what I'm gonna do with my life and so anyway I just I, I started I've been an entrepreneur like mostly all through my 20s and stuff like that oh, so. right. oh, really? I, Like I, we paid for an education in engineering it probably served me well but no I didn't I never did anything in
1: engineering Oh, okay so straight from Graduating, yeah,
0: yeah. And so I was, I was a youth soccer coach up in Northern Virginia for a long time. And so I would train elite teams, and like it was great hourly wage. And then, you know, the entrepreneur part was I'd go to clubs and we get contracts to do like we get paid like a hundred dollars an hour to do the training. I'd go out and get some college kid come in at twenty-five bucks an hour, which was great back then. And then I just made the arbitrage. So it was like a plumbing company. Right, okay. but for bike soccer coaches, right? Oh, so, no. think, mm-hmm. yeah. and then like I'd get them, and then like I, someone was a coach for me for a while. We'd get him a job at a club, and then you know they pay him five thousand dollars a season, and you know we get one thousand of it. He'd get four, or she'd get four. So yeah, so wow. I've always kind of had that bug. This is in my family, most of the people on my dad's side are entrepreneurs. Okay, so cool. I just came from that. So you saw
2: that coming out. Yeah. Yeah, you, saw, you saw being an entrepreneur, like a normal thing.
0: I don't know, not really. I went to engineering school, right? Yeah. So I went to Virginia Tech, pretty good engineering school. Um, Didn't exactly fly through it in four years, you know? And um, just it took me until my mid-20s to find my way, and then right around my late 30s, I really found my way into kind of starting to figure out money. And, and real stuff. I kind of like... You can, like, I'm a real competitive person, I can build things, and then money was just the evolution of that, where you're like, yeah, like, I like the the game of money, how do you play it? And, like, mm-hmm. you know, you can play that game for a long time, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's
1: a wow. lot of fun, the connection, the conversation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, that awesome. So you were a club, co- club soccer, kind of, working in the club soccer league for how
0: long? <sighs> Ten years, maybe. Oh, wow. Oh, I've wow. Won, wow. won a couple of state championships, and we went to regionals a couple times, and Lots of kids in the Olympic program and so it was it was a high level and it was a lot of fun yeah. you know, But there was like a cap on it, right? You can only yeah. earn so much and then It was a business that was really a job because I was working on it all the time. It yeah, was yeah. a true business, mm-hmm. right? And so well, You owned your own job. Yeah, <laughs> I owned my own job. That's a really good way to describe it. And so, uh, my wife told me one day she said, hey, we're gonna we're gonna move to Richmond. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And she said, well, i remember all the stupid things that said, Where Are you doing? I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, we're going to Richmond. It's like, okay, Richmond it is. <laughs> <laughs> it
2: <laughs> and how soon? How soon after you moved to Richmond did you find real estate as a thing that you wanted to pursue? Was it, was it
0: immediately? Almost right away. So oh, okay. uh, we had been doing a little bit. We owned a rental, pool, or not a portfolio. owned a, a rental home in Northern Virginia. Not a great place to cash flow. Not a great, yeah. you know, just as a accidental landlord situation. Own. No, no, we sold it, mm-hmm. and uh. um. And no, no, I'm happy to do that. <laughs> we came down, and one of, the, one of the ways the wife convinced me to come down, she said, I know you want to buy real estate, because I've kind of been into it a little bit at the time. And she said, hey, is Richmond a better market for it? And then I looked into it, and you know, cash flow is much better, there's a lot more growth that was going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, we really, uh, you know, really moved into Richmond at a really good time, Just. yeah. Yeah. rode that way for like 10 years. <laughs> so yeah. why did your wife want to move to Richmond? What was her reason? She was working for, at the time she was working for AOL, oh. and they wanted her to move to New York. And, you know, we neither one of us really wanted to, like, go to New York. Yeah. And so she decided not to work there, and she was looking around at jobs. She got a, um, uh, she got a job at Capital One, and she thought it was in McLean, and then, it's an arrangement, but uh, you know, my wife, uh, big career woman, she's got a great career, and and um, you know, she wanted to go do that thing, so that's why we did I
1: so. well, it. All worked out for the better.
0: Yeah, man, that, yeah, it, yeah. it was awesome, <laughs>
1: awesome decision. So, yeah, no, listen this...
0: to your wives. You know, the yeah. yeah, conclusion of that story. So that's a
2: big takeaway <laughs> for the first like five minutes. <laughs> um, I, I guess uh, I guess we can kind of dive into like our our big topic. So w- what we want to uncover or unpack is kind of the overall. And I think this is going on through everybody's head right now. Is just like the overall uh, outlook on the market, interest rates, inflation. Not not necessarily like a prediction. And sure, we can go there. But what you see it doing, how it's affecting. Obviously, you've been in the Richmond market for a while. We don't want to necessarily, like, pinhole it just to Richmond because we might have okay. viewers outside of that. But how you've seen that change and, I don't know, what your takeaway is so far? And then we can get into Canada. Kind
0: of the- well, I mean, it's really confusing. So it's hard to see the, the battle when you're in it, right? The fog of war idea of yeah. Yeah. Every, every cycle is different. You kind of know there are cycles. And there's some really weird things happening in this cycle, right? So we got pandemic which everybody mentally wants to go behind them but that that production and that gdp is still just kind of catching up to mm-hmm. us from a couple of years mm-hmm. so still got supply chain issues from like and that's a black swan yeah. unprecedented thing and then the government printed like 40 percent of all the money that was ever in circulation in, in a one-year period or 18 month period or something ridiculous and so now we're seeing that money work its way through you know, we are seeing the fed I've seen the Fed try to fight that, right? Yeah. They are raising their interest rates and now they're talking as much as a point where you know, the consumer price index I think comes out. Is it this week? Maybe this week, maybe next. Yeah, I think tomorrow. Actually. It might. It comes it no one comes out on one on Wednesday. <coughs> or so so um yeah, so it's just it's different this time. And so we don't know really what is gonna happen. Um but I think that there's been a lot of free money for a long time. Yeah. I think there's a lot of you know what are they called zombie corporations where you know they're already dead they're losing money but because money's been so free Mm -hmm. you know they they just keep going and so you know it's a cleansing of the economy i think it's a positive thing yeah i hope it happens not because of the some of the bad things that happen around it but that for me like allows us to have a true economy which i think is important for my kids yeah and their uh, kids
2: yeah Yeah. What needs to die will die off it has to right Yeah. yeah
1: Well, not necessarily now with the Fed just injecting more money whenever that happens, though. So is that ever going to be a point where the Fed doesn't interfere when the economy, like, Mm -hmm. starts to go south?
0: You would certainly be reasonable to make a bet that they'll always bail them out, right? It started, it it really did, it started with Obama when he bailed out the banks, and and he absolutely saved the banks from, like, total catastrophe, Uh, you know, whether or not that was a good decision is like way above my pay grade, but it certainly set us up for okay. Now we came along, we got this big thing. Let's just go a couple trillion dollars, and then um, yeah, like what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do next? I'm just gonna print more money. Yeah.
2: You know. Yeah, yeah. That's the scary thing. So, so then that would lead us to the question of: um, Do you think the uh,
1: inflation peak has been reached? Yeah, and 9% last month.
0: Yeah. Do you think we're going to see more than
1: 9% in the future months?
0: I do. And I think that we might get a little bit of a pullback because energy prices have come back, right? Yeah. So we might see a pullback this month, but we really haven't baked into things like, you know, there's really not a lot of wheat this year, right? Ukraine is a big 15% or something like that on the world supply, And they just haven't been able to get it around, right? And, and so there's, there's a lot of stuff that is coming down that's gonna affect price as well. And um, we'll cycle back on the energy, I suspect. It'll be more expensive again, so. No, I don't think we've seen the peak yet. And, and from my perspective, we've been pretty much almost since the 70s. So is there a situation where we're like, oh, that's a tough four months. You know, like that would be fine. And, you know, like, I feel like, I, if, if, if it doesn't truly like take, take a grip then, then we're still in a bubble, and that doesn't mm-hmm. mean they can't mm-hmm. kick that bubble five more years, <clears throat>
1: right? Yeah.
0: And mm-hmm. so, and and I always tell people, don't forget, like in America, you'll see it first, right? Like because all the money comes to America still. So like, I was, I know we're in the weeds, so we wanted to keep talking about this, yeah, but yeah. like, but like the stock market, the stock market, the day of the Ukraine invasion, uh, Russia is, it went up. Right? Yeah. I expected to turn it on. I'm like, okay, like, well, awesome. stock market's getting crushed. Yeah. Bye. Like, like, whoa. Like, so, yeah. it didn't occur to me till later and, in, in, you know, after some conversations and turn and do some learning, um, but what happened was a lot of the money that was over in Eastern Europe was leaving, was leaving right? States. If you're my money in Poland and you just uh, said, Russia, to Ukraine, you're like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and go buy in Manhattan. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, so, so a lot of that happened. And so, like, when... Like, we've seen, like, Sri Lanka has already fallen, right? And and we're going to see that other stuff catch up. Yeah. And I don't think that we're through it, no.
1: So I think we're probably close. You think we'll hit double-digit, by the way? Double-digit? Double-digit inflation? <sighs>
0: 10%, it's tough to say whether well, they'll report a double-digit inflation. Right. <laughs> okay, let me re-
1: rephrase. Will they report double-digit inflation?
0: I think so. I think they'll have to. And I'll leave one more interesting back on this one. The, the inflation has never come back under control in the history of the Fed when the Fed didn't raise the internal rate to above the CPI. Okay. Subhulker. Right? So you're
1: saying if we don't raise the rates to above 10% or 9%? I'm just
0: saying historically it's never happened.
1: Hmm.
0: And right? So I'm not saying, like, it's a totally yeah. new thing, right? Serious. It's a totally new thing. But like, put that in your head of like, Okay, what what would do if the rates really went up? Yeah, and you can't you can't <laughs> and you can't get a hold of inflation until you like get that mm. get that up. That's so, a big nugget. Like, mm. I don't know, maybe modern <laughs> modern money policy is different. It's different this time where they can find another way to kick it because all that money comes from Europe and then they're screwed for like the next two or three years, but, you know. But um, yeah, so when you ask me, is it overdone?
1: So you don't think it'll be over until they raise interest or fed funds rate above inflation. Well, that, that's never
0: happened. I'm just saying, no, I'm saying historically, it's yeah. never yeah. happened that it's corrected itself until they did yeah. that. So, so is like, a
3: correlation or, you
0: know, yeah know, correlation causation. Yeah. Like, I don't know, yeah. I don't know mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And we get a weird job market, one that we really haven't had since, like, like the, I don't know, the 60s and 70s, I believe, like, where there's like all these jobs being created, but people aren't coming back into the workplace to take the jobs, right? And so when the pandemic hit, there was a lot of people who do the great resignation, right? Mm -hmm. And so what really happened is the people in their 50s, like think of the really successful people in their 50s, engineers, doctors, um, high-level executives, they probably already had enough money in their 50s to like totally retire. And then like when the pandemic happened, they retired. And even if they changed their mind today, like, well, you know, it turns out like 4 million million doesn't go as far as I thought it went I want to go back to work now they're not coming back into the workforce because I can't find a job at that price point yeah. at that age because like especially in tech where they go back and they're like they're getting a job from a 30 year old kid you know mm-hmm. and you're like so a lot of that stuff is just left yeah. and if that hasn't happened in a long time wow yeah. so I, so like when you say what's going to happen I'm like I wow, it's like yeah. too many yeah. too many knives being thrown around the room yeah I'm just trying not to get stuck.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to say because I feel like inf- like 50% of inflation is gas prices because all the supply chains, they use gas to transport the products. So with gas prices going down from a peak of whatever, $4 or $5 here, $4 here in Richmond, let's say $3, it's hard to think that inflation will keep going up unless the gas prices, oil prices go higher again because they're going to compare year over year and as it keeps getting less and less, let's say next July if gas prices were at five or five dollars this last July and then they're at two dollars again it's hard I would think deflation would happen
0: next I, year in July I think as it's much as I say there. as much as I say that I think we're gonna keep inflating I can see scenarios of deflation right yeah. and so and I'll give it I think that is one where you got the uh, the gas will come back down. So like some of the supply chain costs will recover, mm. right? But you know I think you've got also got like with Walmart and Target and they they bought yeah when, I mean, when the supply is like hey I need fifty couches and everybody who needs three couches ordered fifty with the hope that they would get two yeah but now everybody's got fifty couches and so what are we going to do when the earnings reports come out on Wall Street in the fall and like. They've had to sell these things at discounts to get them out of the way. which yeah. there was a big way that, right? right? Yeah. And I, right. but I think that we haven't seen that really flush yeah. through yet. Yeah. It's yeah. gonna, it's gonna happen in cars. <laughs> It'll happen in a bunch of things. Mm. And so, yeah. Yeah, with yeah, cars. it's Yeah, be bad. There's, there's a yeah. lot of
1: car bubble
2: indicators. Yeah, I right know. Like yeah. with with home, big, yeah. Yeah. You go to big box stores, and there's like bundles and bundles. of... Oh, you know, two by four. I mean, there's just way too much inventory. Everything's just no one's working on houses.
0: I I think that. You what know, you talk about, as those scenarios unfold, is like true stagnation of when, okay, you have a consumer price index which is just really bumping up all the time. I know And then you say, hey, these these companies and my houses and everything else is going to lose value, right? So ideally, inflation, like real estate, hopefully keeps up with inflation. But only the economy doesn't is you're in stagflation, right? And so, I don't know, like, you know, maybe, maybe inflation is the best case scenario, and that we might roll into stagflation.
3: Yeah.
0: It's just so hard to like... Do you define stagflation for everybody? Yeah, so it is... Stagflation is when your your interest rates and your, your cost of living and all that is going up, as you normally would think of inflation, that go up. But the value of things is decreasing at the same time. Like, you bought your house for $350,000 and now it's only worth $300,000 a year later, right? So... That depreciated while wow, your expenses increased, mm-hmm. right? And so when those two things line up together, it's stagflation.
1: So assets go down and commodities go up, basically. Yes. Yeah,
0: okay. something, something like that. Okay. Interesting. And you think? And I don't pretend to be an, an expert on yeah. hey, exactly all the components of stagflation or inflation or deflation for that matter. Yeah, yeah. But
1: yeah, I've never heard it described that way. That's interesting. Yeah, it's. I it's, it's, it's scary, right? <laughs> I thought it was uh, just basically a recession happens, but inflation is still happening during that recession, or a higher yes. rate of inflation, yeah. which is, I, I guess, guess, similar. Because yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: It's, yeah.
0: it's not just in real estate. It's it's it's, it's really think about it in terms of, like, those stocks, right? Yeah. Like, you know, what is General Electric going? I, I still say General Electric, but now it's things like, what is Apple doing? What, what are Tesla doing? You know, and, and are they losing value when it becomes... So your 401k is going down you know while your expenses are growing the other way. yeah, makes it really hard to live yeah when's the last time we had that stagflation <laughs> in the 70s like okay. when we really talk about the bad times of the 70s that's when stagflation grew. 50 years ago and what do you think is worse stagflation or deflation stagflation okay Like deflation at least the you know the cost of a loaf of bread goes down the cost of of bread's going up and your 401K has going back and going down, <laughs> right? Yeah. Inflation, like, they're both going up. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Stagflation is really the worst-case scenario. Yeah, I think most economists would say stagflation is that. And that's why people still remember the 70s. Mm-hmm. They still remember the long gas lines. The, the, it was an energy crisis, and it was a different situation, but yeah, that's what stagflation mm-hmm. Everybody got more frugal in the 80s in yeah. the '90s, and everybody
2: appreciated slowly. I think that it's. I'm not hoping for stagnation or anything bad to happen, or probably. But I feel like we have lost as a culture, as a society, we have lost a lot of that, mm-hmm. right? We're just so materialistic. We want. The, we focus on the wrong things, as opposed to kind of back home, family, quality time, just like the. The goods. Yeah. The family.
0: Ironically, the pandemic was probably like, I yeah. really yeah. Like, yeah. told our kids what was happening. I said, you're going to promise it'll never happen before. We were like, it wasn't quite two years, it was like a year where they are like, listen, just, just don't leave your house and hang out with your family and don't kill anyone. Yeah, yeah. And like, are like, here's somebody. They're like, yeah, that'll never, you know, that'll never happen again. Well, I say that, but like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the monkey The monkey box <laughs> <product>. <laughs> <laughs> The next
2: one, right? So um, to change gears, sure. we wanted to ask a little bit about um, the market, the Richmond market, the RV market,
1: the influx, there was a big influx of people, just like there was in like
2: Vegas, just like there was in uh, Arizona, just like there was in different pockets, Florida, for example, North Carolina. So it was a big influx of people that were moving from out of state. And in our case, we were getting a lot of people that were coming from up like you, me, right? We were coming from mm-hmm. uh, coming from Northern Virginia, coming down. Um, and uh, so Richmond Virginia felt a big bump so, the big bump in, in a lot of changes in our, in our real estate market. So, what I've seen and what I've heard is that the states and cities that felt the biggest jump are also now seeing the biggest decline, right? And, uh, and decrease in pricing for their stuff that's on the market, uh, rental prices, just people now wanting to leave those cities because those cities can no longer support them, right? From from the information that you have at your disposal, you've researched from your own investments. Are you noticing anything like that with uh, a big influx of people that are coming to Richmond to leave? Did you notice that in your pricing of your assets, of your, of your investments? Like, what's your take on just that? Just like the influx of people. The okay, of yeah, it's a
0: good question. Right? It's not one that people talk about a lot. It's a really good question. So. Really testing my memory here. But a couple of years ago, there was a report that came out. It was like through 2028, um, Richmond was like the number three growing city in the country for millennials. So it was like the third place, or maybe it was like the third place in the world. It, it was really high. And like number one was like Virginia Beach or Norfolk. I don't it, was, but like, it was weird. They were like, we're, we're real close to each other, right? Yeah. And so, so even like putting beside that <laughs> pandemic stuff, There's been a natural migration to to Richmond happening for a while. And unless the dynamic, the underlying numbers have changed, I would be surprised to see like a a huge letdown in that, right? Mm -hmm. You, while I respectfully think that Richmond could do better at a lot of things Mm -hmm. as a city government, um, the counties around it are actually, I think, very efficient. Yeah. And some of that, some of that burden, like let's just use the example of like, you know, as soon as Richmond didn't want to, like, build the ballpark, Henrico was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, you can come over here and build the ballpark, yeah. right? So, so I think we're, we're pretty good with some local governments around us and Hanover as well, and and they, they do a good job. And I think that helps take some of that burn uh, away from the city because I don't think the city adminers their very well. But I haven't seen people talk about, like, a big, like, egress of, yeah. of, of talent, you know. I think Richmond offers a very... Um, a very cool downtown, right, of where uh, millennials and people that are, before they're making families and, like, they're getting their career started, and it's, uh, I think they've done a really good job, and so with the surrounding counties, and then um, I think they've got really good suburbs, and they've got really good schools, and, you know, we're a mid-sized city, so we still offer the potentials of the city, and we're not, like, a major city like we so I, I, I have to think about that more, I, I, you know, no, I haven't seen what I would consider an exodus in Richmond. I still think our population is growing. Okay. Yeah, and, that, and that's pretty consistent with what, I, with, with what I've heard right, too. Yeah. Is that
2: people are still coming and still staying, because uh, the city has a lot to offer for. It does. Yeah. And there's still a lot of opportunities for growth. A lot of companies are still coming into town. Obviously, there's some big names. Yeah. They're looking to continue to grow. Richmond. They bring jobs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so then um, the, the next section, not section, but the next uh, to kind of build up on that was your Section 8 question. Oh, uh, yeah. So
1: basically with COVID and everything, and we talked about this before on one of our meetings with Ring of Leap, but with COVID and everything, <clears throat> the government kind of stepped in, said you can't evict people. The federal government stepped in said you can't evict people, you can't do this. And they kind of just started paying for um, for the rent because you couldn't evict the not evict and I was wondering um so how much of a part would that and you mentioned also you lose control of that asset when that happens and we were wondering how much of a part of the government do you keep seeing an increase like more to a degree than it just
0: did um
1: during COVID or do you, or what do you what are your take on
0: do you mean well, I think that section will like grow will like, they they'll become more involved
1: in like yeah, not specifically housing. Section 8, but, like, other, pro- other programs and yeah. stuff like mm-hmm. that, for rent out. control, stuff, tonight, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I think so. And and I think that, you know, RRP was supposed to run out in, I believe, the end of, can't remember now, June or July. I know for a fact that they're paying through the end of August. Mm-hmm. Now, they say they're paying, they don't actually send the checks. I know a lot of people put a lot of money from RRP. So if someone from RRP is listening... You know, people are hurting. Uh, landlords are hurting out there because, like, yeah, you know, they'll go six, nine months without paying, and they're like, yeah, we got you. But um, we've been burned a couple times. Tenants move out of the house, and then you know, yeah, we, we, we can't get the money and, and collect. Yeah, that. so, but um, yes, I think that when we see that whipsholl back, I think that there's just some people that are never going to want to go back to not having to pay their rent.
1: Yeah, and. Do you think, how can I put this, do you think, uh, so in all, you do think it's going to grow a little bit. Does it usually happen in recessions where government always steps in and, and gives owner, business owners a little bit less control because they're funding part of their, is, is it usually during a recession? That, yeah,
0: I mean, the government comes through and they, like, during a recession. Now, remember, I've only been investing on this, you know, upswing, right? So yeah. I didn't go through the last recession. But typically in a recession, a government will incentivize the industries that need help, mm-hmm. right? And so, like last one that they did last cycle around was like, like it was a first time home buyer credit. Like yeah. $10,000 yeah. something like that. And I mean, that really worked, right? It really affected the industry of like, now all these people have, I wasn't around at the time, but all these people now they had their, like their down payments for their homes. And you know, maybe that created another bubble where like, yeah. People are getting in for homes for free, but it actually went away of, so instead of maybe someone being in, going into a, a subsidized housing situation, the government was giving them checks that they become homeowners, right? Yeah. And so, you know, it's, I would think that in that situation, there are fewer people in that Section 8 program or or the government subsidized, and, and to me on paper, that sounds like a good idea. Like, make someone a homeowner instead of making someone uh, a tenant, I can understand that reasoning. Yeah. You know, but... Yeah, I think you can safely say, you know, we talked about it a little bit before, like the government's just going to print money, right? And yeah. so they're going to, um, they're going to
2: eventually control it yeah. control yeah. yeah. political, but I, I think that whenever there's a downturn, whenever there's a recession, whenever there's like a financial hurt, I feel like the government always tends to kind of step in. Yeah. And then they could either take some sort of like equity, yeah. st- like either they buy want things for or Freddie, right? Like buy into it and like own some part of it and still save the day, right? So that everything's still okay, but then they're part of it. So then they still control it and they control the regulations.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: how do you qualify for it? And can people really default? There's going to be a lot of um, kind of catch-alls there so that people, de- right? So like same thing happens with banks. Same thing happened with a lot of different step in and want to be part of it so it doesn't fail. Yeah, right? So that's what I'm afraid of is that there's going to be a dependency. The government's going to in a way kind of like that, right? Cuz they're helping people out. Cuz that's how some people look at the government is that the government needs to help. Well, if more people need the help, then the government can help more people. So it's kind of like a double <laughs> edge where it's like ah, oh, that's a slippery it's slope. That's yeah. um, a very slippery yeah. slope. I <laughs>
0: think You're either like big government or little government. And I suspect over your lifetime, you might change your position depending on where you are in life a couple of times. I think it's very reasonable to to be that. Absolutely. Um, Yeah.
2: So um, (laughs) you are now known as the... Burr is dead. Bark <laughs> is here to stay. Bark, 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 baby. Bark, 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 bark. So, so those that are, uh, that are part of uh, your ring, uh, Richmond ring, yeah. we've heard this presentation, we've heard you elaborate on what the bark is and why you believe that the burr is no longer as viable as it was before. But for people who weren't there, you mind just kind of giving us a synopsis yeah. of like what that is and then defining what what
0: bark is okay sure so yeah bark starts with the burr right so the burr is around a long time so they were doing it well before the guys the clever guys at bigger pockets and called it the burr and they market it and build a website around it. super great idea right and they they built something around that and i followed that model a lot i mean i would contribute a lot of my wealth building in my lifetime to be thankful of the burr, right? So, not disparaging burr by any stretch of the imagination, but I was I was doing an analysis of my own portfolio and saying like, what does was what does the burr look like versus what I was doing? Because I'm not a very active buyer for rentals right now. Like I've kind of kind of bought a lot, and I'm uh, I'm okay with where I am. And so so I was doing an analysis of like, okay, the way I built my portfolio last time. Can I build the portfolio the same way this time? Mm-hmm. Is it possible to do that? What does it look like? Yeah. And so again, I go back to that engineering degree that I never used, right? But but in my mind it just does kind of work that way. And so I just started to analyze it. So the numbers basically worked out for me. In I bought a lot of properties and the numbers were I'm gonna kind of going off the cuff here, mm-hmm. but I was the asset value of the property was around the 135 range, and I would buy it at a discount, like that's what we all do, right? At about 70 percent or whatever, and so I would be ninety thousand dollars worth of debt. And so when I took that ninety thousand dollars worth of debt, and I went to the bank and I got a 20-year note, on average I was paying a 20-year mortgage at about four and three-quarter percent. And i bought a lot of them over the 10 years, so the interest rates up and down, right? So like sure, but it blended, that's about what yeah. It was. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so so when I ran when I wrote my numbers at the time, I know that I made about six hundred dollars a month per house. Right? Mm. And so not a lot of money by the way. It's like twenty bucks a day, right? Not much more than a cup of coffee. Get a bunch of them, it becomes real money, but but that's what the that's what it was over my portfolio. And I was, I make I knew I could make six hundred dollars a month, making like seventy-two hundred dollars a year. Buy a uh, whole bunch of them, and then like yeah. that's how you made your money. And so I said, okay, I was wondering if the burr would work. So I said, okay, the same house that I bought just a couple years ago, like 2020, right? And the retail was 135. Oh, 135 I was in it for 90. So, but now I have to have that same situation, that exact same house, because Richmond was up 38% since 2020. So now it's at $187,000, right? And so I'm my at my seventy percent, my debt is now one hundred twenty-five thousand. it was ninety. Now it's one twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, so now when I go to that same bank and I get my 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 mortgage on it, my twenty-year fixed, that I can't get four and three quarters. It's way closer to like six percent now. Right? And it, I mean, likely maybe possibly going on mm-hmm. six and a half, seven. Mm-hmm. Right. So. When we did that analysis of, like, what I could get the 20-year note was my principal and interest payment for at the four and three-quarter to the um, the interest payment at the higher rate of at seven and a half is when I looked that day. I was turning around remember the north about seven and a half. Mm-hmm. The payment was, like, $1,100 mm-hmm. for that same principal and interest payment. Mm-hmm. And then so when I added up, like, okay, well, if inflation happened here, inflation happens, like, it costs more to put the roof or the HVAC. I pay more for the technician. So what I found with that is that... Using the exact same model on the exact same house. Even though the rental rate had gone from $1,200 to Mm $1,700 on the same Mm -hmm. house, I went from making $600 a month to I was losing $58 a month on the house over time. Right, right. Right. And so what I really was is it was was like it was getting my... I was just... Man, that's a bad scenario, right? I mean, and actually, like, I was doing... If I had a property manager and I was doing maintenance and stuff like that, I was I was losing as much as three or four hundred dollars a month, mm-hmm. right? So if I want to be on the beach somewhere, it's negative three hundred dollars a month to get right. that property. Right. I certainly don't want hundred of them.
1: Active versus yeah. passive,
0: yeah, right. right. And so, so, but I'm super active. Like now, I don't pay a property manager, blah blah blah. But even I cut out everything and I was doing all the work, I'm still going to lose fifty-eight dollars yeah. right? mm-hmm. you know. And so I was like, well, that's probably not a bad idea. That's that sucks. Okay, don't do that. And so. I said, okay, well, what we really want to do is we really want to get all those notes that were made from 2020 to like, you know, halfway through 2021, right? Because because, of the low rate. Right. And then so like, and there are two things that really happen by assuming the note, you know, versus refining the note is when you you assume it, you get a 30-year fixed rate, right? And then when you were buying, you were paying a 20-year note Mm. at a higher rate. So it wasn't just the rate cash flow-wise, it was a big different situation, yeah. right? So your cash flow really swings on that note. And so 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 it, on this same house, like let's say I went to that same house, and now I instead of like buying it and borrowing it with the same house, but if I just took assumed their note, because they made that note in 2020 at maybe call it two and a half percent on a 30-year note. Right? If they, and they can sell it today at 187 right? After they pay their agent, everything like that, they'd walk away with $20,000 in cash. Like that's what they would get, right? But if I assumed it from them, like if I just gave them the $20,000 and said, can I assume your note? Like now I can assume your note and the cash flow went to like $1,100 positive per month, right? And that's if you were gonna thats if you were going to be in Fiji and it was something like $1,300 a month if you're gonna hire a property. Yeah. So you went from negative 58 to um, to a positive $1,100 a month. So it was crushing my burr model, Yeah. Right? And the reason, of course, is because you lock in the finance at the previous time, and then you get the benefits of inflation with, like, the increase of rent, right? Uh-huh. So you get, like, a... So, so kind of um, what, what yeah. you're saying is, like,
3: that all because of the difference of the mortgage rate is the, is the reason why you can cash those so much
0: more because you're assuming something is such a lower rate. Just the way you finance it, yeah because you, no you're, so, you're assuming a lower payment, but then you're taking a benefit of the higher rents. Correct, and then you're so you don't actually want it. to refi, and, so, that, and that was part of the, that was part of the the burr is You you buy it, you renovate it, you rent it, wash repeat. Okay, right? but the refi part of the burr was what was blowing it up. It was mm-hmm. no longer any like it was the thing that was killing the deal. Sure. So, so, you just how,
2: need a better note. How's that ROI though? Because, like, there were plenty of people, I'm sure, like yourself, where you did plenty of burrs where you left no money in the deal. You pulled all your money out. Yeah. You refinanced. You had zero money into it. And then you got an infinite return. Or what, how are you going to call mm-hmm. it? Well, but here, you're you're potentially, in your scenario, you're bringing $20,000 to the table. Your cash flow pretty good. Plus your Plus renovations if they need to be done. Yeah. So, like, part of the bark is by. Renovate, no, buy, assume,
0: renovate, and keep. So you're not cashing anything out, right? So, okay. I would look. At, so, a couple of things of that. And those are all fair points. And a couple things I would consider, though, is I gave a scenario in which, like, hey, you could just. You're buying it at no discount, and you are buying it almost directly off the MLS. Because yeah. I gave you a scenario of, like, you can go to the MLS and get 20 grand, or you can go to Rich Lennon and get 20 grand. Mm-hmm. You're still getting 20 grand, mm-hmm. right? So, if I'm making eleven hundred dollars a month, right? Let's say that's totally passive, right? That's how much you were making with your equity pay down, everything, right? So now I'm making twelve thousand thirteen, close to fourteen thousand thirteen and a half. On my twenty thousand dollar investment, I'm making like a sixty, seven percent sure. So there's likely situations where you'll be able to partner because the 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 money is so good. Like so even if you didn't have the Mm twenty, there's enough of a spread, like could you just Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna take all of my eleven hundred. We can't do it all because part of this equity paid. Yeah. Equity paid out. But can I take like eight hundred dollars a month and start paying back the twenty thousand? Yeah. And that's just like if you get it off the MLS. Like, what is like? And I was saying like there aren't any repairs because it's totally in beautiful shape because it's an MLS worth property. And so but let's say you get it off the MLS, which is hopefully where most of us like to get our deals, Mm -hmm. right? Off market. Yeah, yeah. get their get the agent out of the way. They tend to confuse things, no offense to some very good agents, right? But trying to explain to them an assumption, I imagine, would be difficult. Right? So um so the house probably needs some work. And so it's not really gonna be twenty thousand dollars that you're gonna need to do to get in that house, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, and then so I I think that the assumption that you're going to need money is not necessarily correct, but you might need some. And even if you do, you probably have enough room in there to find a partner. But, so I, you know, being who I am, I did a little bit more analysis. Okay. At at year two, or excuse me, just one year from now, if I said, I think the real estate market will be down 10% of where it is today. Mm. Right? Would would anybody let go like, oh, Rich, you're crazy? I don't think anybody would say I'm crazy, right? And so... If we did the analysis then on the value of their home on the retail market, it's only $6,000, right? Because remember, they went from one eighty seven and they lost $18,000, right? And so some of their other expenses went down, so they don't pay it a little bit more, but like it's only around $6,000. Yeah. Okay, and let's say that, you know, we go down another 20% the following year, right? So we got first year's 10%, now you're down another 10%. Would that be crazy to say? Like we're up 38% in two years. Sure, sure. I said we're down at 20%. Would you throw me out of the room? Mm-hmm. So like in that scenario, everybody who bought in 2020 is underwater, and they should give you $6,000 to take yeah. the To take their house, yeah. Cause it's worth you negative $6,000 on the MLS. Right, right. So like, no, is it like, if you don't have a lot of money, you're gonna be able to grab some right away? No, but if it, if it shifts, like, there's an opportunity for people, and I started calling it the bark, because you buy it, you assume the note, and you can do a subject two here as well. Like a subject two works in the exact same mindset. So the uh, assumption of the note, and then you rent it, and then you, K, you keep it, because you want that 30-year note at 2.5%, because it's likely that we'll never get back there again. It can't go much lower. And the bank won't let you, the bank won't
2: make you put down
0: a down. It depends. So, they get the value will have to still be there, and the and the and the and that an FHA loan, like, they're gonna have to qualify you for the loan, yeah. right? So, you're gonna have to produce income, and you're gonna have to qualify for it. And and there's gonna be some, I imagine, there's gonna be some investor requirements, but they already have some of the rules in place. Like, they say you can't buy it in an LLC. You cannot buy it in a trust, right, for investment purposes, right? So, so. I think there's gonna be some opportunity there how it shakes out I don't know because we don't know what the banks are gonna be doing in two years yeah so they'll be like hey I just want someone to pay the note because I'm trying to foreclose Mm -hmm.
3: so have you theoretically bulletproof and very sound but
0: have you or is is there anyone you know that's carried that out and done that I think assumptions were a fairly common thing in the past right so they happen in this cycle Right, and they happen when those interest rates like fluctuate like they are now. And so the assumptions have been done throughout history—not not by saying history, but you only go back as far as the Fed, right? But like I didn't do them in my cycle because it never made sense because the interest rates were always super low. The yeah. worked for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't want to go assume something that someone bought yeah. at the height in 2008 because they had that at like six nine percent. Right, right. So I didn't want to. Right. So the, yeah. that's flipped this time. So the target
1: seller would be someone that bought their house from 2020 to 2021 with an FHA loan because otherwise they'd have too much equity and you have to put too much down to buy their property.
0: Maybe, um, maybe. But, like those, but they also wouldn't
1: have but, that low of an interest rate if they bought it before 2009 or as low, I guess. It would be like
0: yeah. four or five. And like, I would say each deal is different. We all know that we can go in there and in a distressed situation, we can pick up some equity in a house. We don't have to make the model that we have to pay retail. We can still look for a deal. Right? But yeah, the target is, like, go look at the history, and I mean, I showed it at, at some of my presentations, I don't have it here, obviously, but it, go look at the the history of the 30-year mortgage and just pull up a graph on Google Image. Right. And then, like, see where you basically bounce up on the on the bottom and you realize that throughout history, is has been nothing like it. Yeah. So, like, that note, the 2020-2021 note, man, that, I mean, that's a valuable note. Mm-hmm. So so, how do you
3: convince a homeowner to let you assume their mortgage?
0: I would go, I would go something like this: Are you going to sell it on the MLS and get twenty thousand? Is it okay if I give you twenty one thousand? Right, because they're going to have to do a little bit of paperwork. They're going to have to approach their lender, ask their lender for the paperwork for you to assume it. Right, because you won't know because the banks sell the notes all the time. Right, you're going to have to have the cooperation of the homeowner, and then you're going to have the homeowner. Um, Allow you to fill out the documents, but I would argue. I make the argument. I don't know why the homeowner would ever resist, because it's not like a subject two, because they're they're getting a they're off yeah, the mortgage. Right. Like, I've done
1: like off the I, other, yeah.
0: yeah they're, right. they're 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 off it. Like on a subject two, and I've done a fair amount of subject twos. You can convince the homeowner if they trust you. When that's a it's an important trust. You cannot violate that trust. Mm-hmm. But like people will give you their deed and they will keep the note in their name. Yeah, they so will it's, absolutely... It's right, right. That happens.
3: Right.
0: It does. Right. And we always... I always challenge people, like, don't think for the other side of the table. That's a good deal for some people. Like, hey, I just... Here the... I walked into a house one time and she was like, here are the keys. Like, I just... I want... I want away from this. I never want to have to come back here again. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I really can't buy it. cash not really worth that. Right, but you know, I'll take it subject two, and then pay it all, and then pay it. She was like, "Thank you, thank you, thank you," and then she ran out. And like six or seven years later, when uh, when I finally paid off the subject to she kept the insurance money. So like, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Because um, like they say escrow the insurance, and when they pay it off, yeah, they yeah. send it to, oh, to oh, so a person. Oh. It's all right, right? So whatever the escrow is, like a thousand bucks. It was the money that was in escrow. That's right. and, and that's fine. I never even called her about it. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, all right. So we're going to do, sorry, we're going to do, because we only have a few more minutes, we're going to do some legging round kind of questions, and then we have some would-you-rathers uh, for the very end. So okay. those are very short answers. Okay. Um, what's the diversity of your network?
0: If you right. want to answer real estate, if you want to it, answer real estate, Ooh.
2: stock, cash, however you want to split that up, and we're gonna assume here you're worth a hundred thousand dollars. That's all. You- okay. <laughs>
0: um, I would say I am probably around twenty five percent in the market. I would say in stock market. Stock market. I would say I am fifty percent in real estate holdings and another. 25% in real estate notes. No cash. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I would say I keep, I have on cash right now, I would say around 3% Okay. Time. Wow, okay, okay. Um, do you plan
2: on changing your net worth diversity with the current
0: market? Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm, you know, I said I'm in the market, but that's actually not true. I'm, I'm in cash in market accounts. I took, I went cash a while ago, uh, even though Dylan told me not to. Like, <laughs> so and, my market. and so I took, I took 50% of my money out of the market. Oh, and okay. then, in a and then it's sitting in cash, And I and I'm going to cost average back into the S&P. Okay. So, I, so I'll keep the asset class, that I'll keep it stocks. I'm going to wait to what I think is the bottom or close to the well, bottom, bottom the or within a month of the bottom and then I'll just start cost averaging my my back end. So you don't think we've hit it yet? Then? I
2: don't. Yeah, that's good. I don't. Have you ever come up? To, have you ever come close to giving up on real estate in general? And what kept you engaged?
0: Ooh, man. So I would say the really, we're, we're at the beginning. It was really hard. My first flip. It's no joke. I remember lying on the floor in a dining room. And like, you know, 8 o'clock at night, and the wife's, like, firing your home, taking care of the kids, and, like, contractor didn't show up. And it's, like, piles of rubble everywhere, and I'm just, like, I hate this life. You know, and <laughs> and so were there some times where I'm, like, I don't want to do this? Yeah, but, I don't know, you, you make a couple deals, and you see yourself really move forward, and real estate is so powerful. You can do so many different things with it Um that, you know, after those first couple of hurdles, I never considered getting. Um, let's see, what's
2: your favorite quote? It can be real estate related, it can be investing, it can be just in general. Oh, so man. Quote. Something your dad, I don't something do
0: quotes a lot, to be honest. Or saying, or expression. Uh, well, I, I I didn't realize this, but my friends now make fun of me, because apparently I say quite often, if we only had a supercomputer at our hands, right? We <laughs> get in these discussions with people, we're like, what is this one? I was like, we're just like, it's right here. <laughs> just <laughs> Google it. Because I'm really, but that's part of my character. Like i really, I like to know the facts. I like to know the numbers. I like, like, what is that exactly? Like,
2: yeah, I do like to know. Mm-hmm. Um, if you weren't doing real estate right now, then what do you think you would be doing?
0: Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I probably own some type of W two job. Not a W two job. Um, I would be an entrepreneur it was really a job, right? So I'd be doing some type of service for a thing like you know I've I've always thought like a a really good business to run would be like a plumbing business Mm -hmm. right an HVAC business is another one like Mm -hmm. I just think you just make tons of money like anybody's listening and they want someone to buy into their business and give them some money I'm interested but I've been looking for one for a while but I would probably buy other businesses and like maybe feel like I could give them some value and then let them go yeah you know instead of flipping homes maybe Mm -hmm. sure yeah 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 um, one more question, I'll, not on there. But, um,
1: so you bought a lot of real estate the last 10 years, and what kind of pivoted you to start lending, is it just because it was more passive, or uh, you just wanted to take yourself out of the equation and have your money work
0: for you? Um, so I've been using like my, my Roth IRAs and my Coverdells to lend small amounts of money for a fair amount of time, but I probably wouldn't be lending without the pandemic. Um, when the pandemic hit, you know, as all my great predictions happened, I'm like, oh, stock market, or the real estate market's going to crash. I'm, I'm going to fire all my employees and just pull back. Because we didn't qualify for any of the programs as the entrepreneurs. Like, I didn't yeah. get any benefits from the, like, no PPP loans for me. You know, yeah. so so I just, I pulled back. I had 14 employees at the time. lot of them Most of them virtual assistants. And... um And then, like, so when you're flipping and you're doing a lot, because we used to buy a lot, you know, and your money lags behind you, like, because you're always leaving 10 in here and 5 in here and 15 in here, and, like, so then when you shut it all down, all that money, eventually the lag catches catches up, up and then you go, and you're like, well, i got a lot of money in there, and then you're like, well, (laughs) it's just, i got to do something with it, right? You can't just let it sit there, and, you know, over the last two years, I've sold a couple of my portfolios, so I just had a more cash than I thought that I had, and I had to put it to work, and I put it in a way that I understood, which is real estate. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, sweet. So I have one for you. So if you couldn't share anything that you've learned on your real estate journey with other people, like at the Ring Group, or just in general, and it was all just for you, your family, and yourself, didn't really give back in any other sort of way, would you still be as motivated to do what you've done, or continue to do what you do?
0: I can understand the question. Give me that question again. Yeah,
3: like like basically all the knowledge that you've acquired and like so what you're doing right now, sharing stuff or like doing the ring meetings where you're sharing, you know, your wisdom, just having a mastermind together and stuff like that. Would you still be as motivated to still do real estate if you couldn't share that with any anybody or share your wisdom experience? That's a
0: good question. I enjoy, I enjoy sharing what I've learned. I was really blessed to be part of a community early in my career of like, a true abundance where everybody just shared, and like I, I fit that mentality pretty well. Um, I will say, investing is way more fun as a team sport, and if you're out there doing it with other people, it's a lot more fun. So, no, I probably would not be as energized as I am if it was just me and my family. No, I, I think I've gained a lot from from being out there, and because when you yeah, you share, you certainly get that back. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Situations like this where you sit down and talk to smart people. Yeah, right? so. Alright, and then one more second. How much time you, I'm left? fine. Okay,
1: this will be quick. Alright, so I'm gonna give you two scenarios. You gotta uh, pick okay. one or
0: the other. Would you rather?
1: Would I rather?
0: Would you rather? This would be yeah, dangerous, right, right. baby. i get, get, get my head. Get, get, get head. BG13 right, I, now, see, I, right. See, <laughs> I see, I see, I see.
1: Alright, so first question. Assuming, um, Okay, wait. Well, actually, let me say it first. Would you rather manage twenty Airbnbs or manage a hundred long-term rental properties, assuming appreciation is all the same and cash flows all the same?
0: One million times over. The answer is a hundred uh, single-family Airbnbs.
1: Wow, well, really? It's by a lot, then. Huh? Like. A lot. <laughs> Give away his Carlos right, picked right.
0: That easy. I ran I ran nineteen at one point. Yeah,
1: that's why I was uh, don't probably. do that. <laughs> wow. So, don't wow. do
0: that. That's a wisdom. I know. Yeah. Alright, all
2: right. All right. I, it, and uh, uh, Stephen Glover said the same thing. Yeah. So wise men.
0: <laughs> men. Where maybe you should make decisions every day in my long term rentals I make might make one decision a year. Right? And so yeah. if you if you don't want to be part of it, it's way better to have a long term. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Interesting. Okay. If you have hundred k today and you had to deploy it tomorrow, would you buy a house that you can leverage only up to twenty five percent, so you can only buy a four hundred thousand dollar house with the hundred thousand, or put hundred k straight in the stock market tomorrow? Tomorrow. That when the market is. Ended. Or,
0: 100K or 100K in a hundred k, or hundred k in the, in right now in real estate, or right now in the market. Yeah,
1: yeah. You can leverage the real estate twenty to. Yeah, it have to be four real times. It would have to be real estate. Mm-hmm. All right. Would um, you rather have capital gains, short term and long term, be at forty percent, or all your loans go up to fifteen
0: percent overnight, and you have to keep those loans for five years?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which scenario? Oh, yeah. it's
0: like <laughs> it goes to forty percent versus like now, like saying that long term is fifteen percent. Yeah. Then, yeah. I, then I would take
1: anyone we'll cash flow for all like the Yeah. Yeah. Fifteen
0: percent. Yeah, I mean, fifteen percent is pretty good. I would. I would say. I would, I would not. I would take the lock in five years, fifteen percent, for fifteen percent capital. Just hold on. Yeah, well, fifteen percent rest. compounding interest is a pretty good rate. Like, like, you do that, just do that for like five years. Like not all your loans. Like, no, no, so your loans, loans that you carry. That you not that you're carrying yeah, the label. No, yeah, no. I'm the lender. Oh my god, no, no. I'm to Two No, bar. No, no. 100%. I would switch that 100% and then I'd much rather pay 40% capital gains because I would lose money the way. And I'm paying taxes on any money you're losing.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. All right, would you rather be taxed on 3% of your wealth every year, so the government comes in calculates your net worth and takes
0: 3% every single year,
1: or never be able to lend private money?
0: I would actually be down for some type of, like, universal tax that we all pay, right? Like, if, if it's, if it's, you want to come in, you want to take 3% of my net worth, and, like, you let me know what I'm working with, I'm okay with that. Right. You uh, like, I'm, I'm okay with that. It just means that, I have to make more than three percent with my money, right? So you, you also go, have that liquid cash to pay them. Wow,
1: 3%. No, but it's three percent on your net. The money, on, your money. on top so if of your net worth never down. goes
2: up. Yeah, but like you, stay, you, you keep getting.
0: You're, yeah, okay. Well, you're, you're surrounded by a bunch of investors. You never. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Your money needs to be growing as a real estate investor at like thirty percent at least. It really does. Okay,
1: so you would you would be okay with the three percent?
0: You want the government to
1: have your money? at... <laughs> have three percent of your net worth
0: there, and pay I mean, their salaries. Oh I mean I'm trying the imagine I am, right? Like, but if I can outperform my net worth and I knew that was gonna be my only tax burden, I can make it. No, no, it's not on your, on
1: your only tax burden. Or I can't on top. Or I
0: can't lend again.
1: Yeah, but it's not your only tax burden. It's on top of whatever
0: you normally pay in taxes. Oh. Or I can't ever lend again. No, I would still lend. I'm really I really enjoy lending. Like I think lending is the best seat at the table. It took me ten years to get there, and I I enjoy the scene. Yeah. Okay.
1: Hmm. All right. Um, and then the last one, your wealth can't be more than one million, one million dollars. Okay. But you can teach and mentor people all you want, or your wealth can be worth over one million dollars, but you can't teach anything to anybody.
0: Well, I would definitely choose more than a million dollars. Okay. I love my fellow human beings. But, <laughs> you know, like,
1: They're do us like Rich?
0: Really? <laughs> uh, I think most people build wealth to put a financial wall around their family, right? And then yeah. I really view my any wealth, fortune of that accumulated as that. It's just a wall. I wouldn't give up that wall. You know, even if that means... So it's I, like the hierarchy of
3: needs, right? And then once yeah. all those needs are met, then it's like more, it's, it's better to give back once those are all met. Yeah. Anyway, so I
1: hear you on that. Yeah. All right, well, you fine. got any closing? We enjoyed you having you. Oh, you man, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah, yeah, really a great time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, great you. So much yeah. for Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I all appreciate it. Yeah. Rich, thank yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you. Awesome. And again.
2: Rich Lennon, if you guys have any follow-up questions uh, for Rich, for any of us... Um, we can definitely have like follow up Zooms or something with Rich. So if you guys want to drop a question, drop a comment, anything down in the comment section. Uh, but
1: also, guess- Rich is a private money lender. If you guys need money, especially here in Richmond, yeah, local
0: Richmond. Yeah, if, if you're uh, if you're looking for, you know, non-owner occupied loans, short term loans in Richmond, Virginia, that is definitely my ballpark.
1: And um, he also has a mastermind called Ring Elite that he opens up every quarter. Every quarter, yeah. For people to join. And you definitely get a lot out of it. I mean, Carlos are in it. Yeah. It's two yeah. meetings a week. And you get got to talk to this guy who's had a lot of experience. So.
2: Tons of experience. Tons of... And then he, he also, of course, has uh, Ring that hosts a, uh, I guess, monthly second Wednesday of yep. every month kind of get-together I mean, at the Great American Ranch. Great American Ranch. So that's not going to change. At tomorrow night. Tomorrow, tomorrow night. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so for now, it's at the Great American Ranch. It's at 6:30. Tons of people show up. If you do anything in real estate in Richmond, you're there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you guys, should be there. Should. Be. Yeah. And if you're not, yeah. then you're not doing to Oh you out. That's right. But again, this is uh, Generation
3: Age. <laughs> All right,
2: guys. <laughs> Subscribe.